when I, when you think about sin, I had seen it as just like something minor, like a cold, you know, you've recovered from it. I didn't see it as God sees it, which is everything that is a sin is eking you towards death. This is a bad thing. This isn't anything that you want to entertain with your like Christian liberty. You don't want to like play with these things and dabble. Like there is an actual reason why I've given instructions and it's for your good and for life. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Let's get started. So today we have Luke and Katie Abafi. They have um, made a couple of documentaries and they're actually working on another one. We're going to get to hear about all of that. But first, well, I guess I should also say that Katie and I know each other from college. We were in InterVarsity together. So it's super fun to have her on here. But first, I wanted to hear Luke and Katie a little bit just about what you guys do and where you are right now, what your lives are like. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us on the show. Yes, I love the whole concept of it. It's encouraging. It's beautiful. It's right. It's like totally the right thing to focus on. So I'm glad that this even exists and that you and your mom are doing it. And um, yeah, well, I. You want to start? You want me to start? Okay. Uh oh. What if I have pregnancy brain kick in? Can I say that I'm like about (laughs) to give birth? (laughs) Katie is actually having some contractions right now with her second (laughs) child. So. We will see what happens. (laughs) All right. Well, I can start this part. For the last few years, I guess since 2015, we've been making documentaries. And also for the last, I don't know, 10 years, I've been a journalist. And so I write about all sorts of things. Um, Now I'm a freelance journalist. And so I write about more than I used to. It used to just be engineering and construction for years. And then we made two documentaries basically about religious topics and now the third one's going to be kind of less, not religious, really. But it's about homesteading and off-grid living. Yeah, and we live in Ohio now where Luke grew up. And I grew up in Maryland. And Luke and I met in New York City at church there. And um, I help with the documentaries. And I am on my like fourth career or something like that. I don't know if I have a problem but maybe I'm just going into like what I like, but I like working with Luke and like making these movies and making these children. So <laughs> she does a great job. So we live in a little tiny house in like about an hour South of Columbus, Ohio on um, a little, what used to be farmland. And we're just settling it in and trying to make more creative projects together. Yeah. And we do live off grid right now. We, yeah. Except for cell phones and trash pickup. wow so you guys are actually homesteading basically well actually i don't know what the distinctions are in those terms right now oh (laughs) off gridding or living off grid is just you don't usually it just means you don't have an electrical hookup you're not hooked into the electrical grid but it could be it could mean any of the other kind of what i would call um life support systems like these systems that bring you all the things you need to live like water and then get rid of all the things you don't want, like sewage. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so living without those things or or creating them on your your land is what off grid is. Homesteading is just even if you have a garden, uh, that's kind of homesteading. Mm-hmm. Or if you raise raise some animal chickens, whatever. And uh, yeah, yeah. When you begin to produce some of your consumable things, that seems homesteady. Although I'm not sure what the official definition is, but that's kind of how I think of it. Yeah, that makes sense. And you guys are doing both. Yeah, little homesteading, not much homesteading at this point. The land was just like a green field soy had been a soybean field for years. And mm-hmm. so we're just starting to plant apple trees. Yeah. I had a little garden here that was like a test garden Oh yeah, and got like a bit of food off of it. And next year I have grand plans of like a massive garden that'll totally replace all of my grocery runs and stuff. We'll see how <laughs> well I do. <laughs> that is very exciting. So you guys, like you said, you've produced a couple of documentaries and they're both related. The first one, I believe, I believe it was the first one is called The Way. Now I'm going to summarize it in my words, but it may not be quite exactly right. It's focused on Christians who are looking at cultural Christianity and asking some really critical questions and sort of comparing our current version of Christianity to what, what the Bible says. And that is resulting in some really radical departures from what our culture recognizes typically as Christianity. Mm. Yeah, that's better than we could say. We should have put that (laughs) on the DVD. (laughs) Perfectly succinct. How long did you guys work on that documentary? I think we kind of discussed it for, and, and thought, Oh, should we even do this? Because we were, you know, we were doing normal life and I was just working my job as an editor and so i i also had equipment like video equipment for this magazine that i worked for because i would often shoot for them and so once we started (laughs) after we got married i guess i'll Mm -hmm. I'll start i'll move back even further i had really been looking into re-examining i guess my faith and making sure that it did align with what we saw jesus doing and and I noticed a few things <laughs> after my mom told me, and I guess this is a good time to be recording this because it's December 24th, but my mom told me she wasn't going to celebrate Christmas anymore. Hmm. And I thought that that was crazy, and I kind of just ignored it. And then she said, well, this is why. And she told me her reasons. And so I started looking into those. And uh, it made that just looking into that made me kind of look into other things that I had been doing as a believer. And so anyway, uh, we can go into a lot of detail there, but when we started was probably the beginning of 2015-ish, thinking about it. We started filming May 2015, filmed for a a year or so, did a Kickstarter at the end of the year, luckily raised enough money to to finish it, and then we released it like um, August something, 2016. It sounds like it was a little bit of a personal journey for you guys, as well as this process of talking to lots of other people. Absolutely. And my spiritual journey personally had to sort of like, maybe catch up is the right word. Luke was introducing me, like we were studying like scriptures together, praying together through all these different changes he was finding 
that he might want to make from what the Bible was saying and how he saw Jesus living. And it was just so different from my paradigm and my theology and stuff. And it wasn't different, like in terms of the gospel or who God is or anything central like that, but it was more like lifestyle things. I just never considered myself someone to do. Um, But then I had this crazy dream that like kind of just, I feel like God revealed some stuff to me and then threw me on board. And I probably was holding up the documentary process for a while while he was like, <laughs> he, we were like going through asking these questions together. Well, that was good though, because discussing this right when I was just first starting to research it with her was really important. And so also doing the documentary itself was important for me too, because I was able to ask all the questions of all of the people that might know one way or the other on for this perspective yeah. and against it so that I could kind of decide, Oh yeah, this is, this is substantiated or no, this is crazy. And the part of the larger story was that the questions that Luke was asking, his mom was asking and the changes they were making, it wasn't just them. Like they started to find that it was like thousands, maybe tens of thousands, who knows how many people are having the same experience on the same trajectory all over the world with no connection to one another aside from like all kind of praying and asking God to show them like what's deeper to know, the, know him more and love him more and all, all that kind of stuff. That was the most interesting yeah. thing to me is that it wasn't kind of a centralized thing and that it was more grassroots. And it wasn't just you and it wasn't just your family. It was like a lot of people having the same experience yeah. all at once. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to come back to your dream in just a second because I'm curious about that, but it sounds like, That might have been one of the things that you guys saw God doing as you started to work on this documentary, that you saw how he was interacting with a variety of people in a variety of settings Mm -hmm. um, to kind of change their perspectives. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Man, to me, and we should probably get into like, eventually, I'm sure we will into the details of what like lifestyle redesign these people are undergoing. But the thing... I think the basic gist or the thing that surprised me the most, it seemed to me that all of these people, many of these people thought that the Reformation was great, but it didn't reform far enough. Basically, this is what it is. It's that during the Reformation, all of these church fathers removed some of the influences on church practices that were added in by men rather than by the Bible and the examples we see in it. And as they removed it, these people now think, oh, well, uh, they didn't remove all of them. <laughs> and so then they're saying, well, what are those other examples? And then that's what I, can, I think it gets into. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about a couple of those examples? Yeah. The main distinctives between like the people that we follow in the film and us, I mm-hmm. guess, and like traditional, we think of as Christianity is a lot of like daily tangible lifestyle kind of things. So for example, eating in a way that is biblically clean, I'd say, not quite kosher, because um, Jewish kosher laws have very specific guidelines, but in a way that's just kind of dictated by Leviticus. Like, these are animals that are good for food. These are animals that I've made for other purposes that you shouldn't eat, etc. And like knowing that Jesus ate that way, wanting to do the same. Another is um, worshiping or doing Sabbath on Saturday. And worshiping then, as per Jesus' example, and like the fourth commandment, kind of coming alive to a lot of the people that we've spoken to and ourselves. One is wearing tassels, so like zitzit, which 
most people recognize from like when you see a Jewish person and they are all these white things. Um, in the Bible, it talks about putting these blue cords on your clothes to remind you to obey the commandments. So it's basically like a WWJD bracelet. <laughs> the final thing is the holidays. So Luke mentioned his mom had the had questions about Christmas. Are these biblical images and traditions? Are they added in over time? Where they come from, etc. And so going back to the holidays that are listed in Leviticus 23, like Passover and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and many people that we have met, we kind of celebrate Jesus's birth in the fall by camping for the Feast of Tabernacles. Like he came and tabernacled with us. So switching out basically Christmas and Easter for the holidays that you see people, you know, celebrating in the Bible. I think those are the, those are the primary differences. Yes. They still believe that, you know, Jesus died for their sins and his blood is the only thing that brings them to the father. And they don't, they're not trying to be priests and sacrifice animals for the most part. <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of questions come up when you talk about doing things from the Old Testament because there's a paradigm that I had, which is that there's no reason to keep the law or like the Torah, as you know, people might say, aside from like trying to save yourself, like you're trying to be saved by works. When we looked into the scriptures, we saw that God actually says over and over again, I'm giving you these instructions for your good and like for the good of your children that you can have an abundant life. And I think the same kind of abundant life that Jesus talks about, because this is how he lives. And so just opening up a space in your mind that like I could potentially do this and it's not to do with me trying to earn my salvation is like a big, um, probably a hurdle for, it was for me and like for anyone maybe listening who this is like a new concept for. But um, we've found a lot of blessings in all of these things, and it's been really light and easy. The other big hurdle, sorry to talk so much, but since there's two of us. <laughs> this is, that's the point. When <laughs> two of us, we're able to talk twice as much. It's like a firing squad I'm on sorry. you. I'm sorry. <laughs> the other big hurdle, though, for me, at least for me when I was starting to look into this, is that if these people are right and we should be you know, celebrating Sabbath on Saturday and all this stuff, then how is it possible that the church has quote unquote missed it for all these years? How, how could these people suddenly have like this revelation of mm. knowledge, you know, it just seems far out. Such weird. a departure. Yeah. And so that, that's another big thing that you have to really look into. And, and uh, mm-hmm. I did when going into this. Yeah. What answer did you arrive at on that? Well, I think in my perspective, the only way I can explain mainstream, like a lot of people who love the Lord, not seeing these things for a long time is one. We have an example of that in the Bible, multiple. One of them is Paul, where he was fighting against Christianity at the beginning. And then he has this road to Damascus moment where he's actually blinded and he realizes, oh my goodness, I was wrong about a lot of things, and I missed a huge, important part of my relationship with God. And it changed him, as we know, and his life was never the same. But he spent a long time before that being super well-researched and, you know, studying under all the best guys super before he had this, this revelation. So the only way I can think to explain it is that there was a time of that— the church 
was blind to this for whatever reason. And now things are being revealed. I don't know why. Um, so I guess the answer is, I don't know, other than I think that God has timing for all sorts of different things. And I can only liken this to a revival of some sort. Hmm. And you mentioned, Katie, that you have seen blessings through living this way and that it has been easy. Um, can you tell us about some of those blessings? Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, there's so many. One thing is in this, there aren't a ton of people who, who do this kind of stuff. And so we naturally made the progression from like our church, like a normal kind of non-denominational church, like we both sort of grew up into house churches. And if you talk to a lot of believers, the time that they're most connected in with like their community of believers and with God is often in like Bible study, small group, life group, whatever you call it. And our house church kind of feels like that. It feels like family. We're all together, like doing potlucks from 1 p.m. to like midnight often. Um, You really just get to know everybody really deeply. And you hear about God from such a variety of people. Um, A lot of the people in this like weird movement that we're in were like the maybe like off the wall thinkers, like the misfits from their churches. But you're getting what they see of God and you're getting the questions from the kids about God and questions from people of all different walks of life and denominations. And that's enriched my Bible time and like my learning for sure. When I can just ask a question or we can pursue different topics that like the group, you know, we decide together what to study. Um, we kind of like have these discussions and that's been really rich. Um, also, Another main thing is like the holidays, like celebrating these holidays. They paint a picture of the whole gospel of like what God does in our life from Passover, like the lamb that takes away the sin of the world to Jesus coming and like putting on a physical body, like a tent and dwelling with us, the Feast of Tabernacles. and To the Holy Spirit yeah, coming, to, coming to people in Yes, uh, in Pentecost. Pentecost. One thing that really struck me after we started doing this was an Acts when the Holy Spirit fell. It was at an Old Testament festival, like something that I as a Christian had never even celebrated before. People weren't just like randomly all together. They were celebrating this, Shavuot. Yeah, Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks, which we know as Pentecost. And God like crazily blessed it with his spirit. And Finally, I guess I'll just say about the holidays. Now that we have a son, they give us a lot of tangible pictures to show Max things about God, things about salvation and life with him that I just didn't find in the imagery of the holidays I grew up celebrating. Like we all know, obviously, an egg and a bunny has nothing to do with like Jesus' resurrection. Like maybe you could say loosely new life or something like that. But um, but the metaphor is not intrinsic and like from scripture. But in all of these things, every aspect of like what you eat and what you do means something spiritually. And then we can like show our son that. So that's been really cool. Yeah. So these basically the biblical feasts and and holidays, as we would, you know, commonly call them, mm-hmm. are much richer because God established them and he is amazing (laughs) and and designed them to teach us and enrich us and help us and show himself to us. Yes. It's so about Jesus. It's so cool. And it's just amazing that, you know, I don't know, like the level of detail, like every year we do it, we're like still trying to figure out what we're doing because you don't have a lifelong 
like a life of traditions around all these things. We're just figuring out for our family, like how we'll celebrate. But every year it's like, we see something new and fresh and it's also weird. I mean, I'm not going to lie when like, <laughs> it's a special holiday in our family, but like the whole rest of the world just having a normal Wednesday. Like that's kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that speaks to something that came up in the documentary. That is that, that God calls his people to be set apart very visibly and um, to actually sort of tangibly be different than the cultures around them and following the the Torah, I guess you could say more closely, does that pretty clearly. That's true. And that's maybe one other thing because of that, like if someone I've, I've talked more about, you know, the Bible than I got a chance to before, maybe I'm just not the best, you know, on off the cuff witnesser to people, but <laughs> It, because I sometimes, because I have like these blue tassels, which not aren't very long, but sometimes people will say, well, why do you wear those? Or because I don't eat pepperoni on pizza. If I'm out <laughs> with people, they ask this. And like, then is it I for health or religion? These reasons. Or, mm. And so it also gives an entrance into just talking about being a believer at all, uh, especially when you're with people who aren't. Mm-hmm. And then they can say, oh, really? And I don't know. You, you give your reason and that you also can talk about Jesus and salvation. And so it's nice having an easy, or, I guess, or obvious on-ramp to that conversation, which I didn't seem to have very often. I don't know why. Yeah, that makes sense. And it interestingly, I think one thing that I'm thinking of listening to that is that if I were having to explain my daily behavior all of the time in light of the Bible, then I would have to really know why I'm doing things much more clearly. It would also provoke um, a lot more thought on my part and much more intentional engagement with the Bible if I'm constantly um, comparing that with something that's very different. So true. Yes, and I think that's been a, I mean, it can be a great thing, but it's also seemingly a, can be not a great thing for some people who have come into this because I think they get addicted to this um search for new knowledge because they feel as if they have discovered something that's true that they didn't know their whole lives. And I agree, but then they move on from there and say, well, what else can I discover? If I was wrong about this, maybe I'm wrong about everything. <laughs> maybe. The, maybe you know. And so it can lean towards the conspiracy theory kind of camp or, or some of the adherents can, which isn't good. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part really isn't. Yeah. Or I see, I mean, with what you're saying too, like when people, it is, it's not a traditional way to be a Christian. It's not like people think, are you Jewish? Are you Messianic? What's going on? And so you do have to, um, you know, like have scriptures ready, like really understand and have worked through biblically why you're doing what you're doing and and whether there's a good reason for it and um, how you'll even talk to other people about it, like your family, obviously, like, I don't know, you don't want to be like condemning anyone. I think that, um, because sometimes when you say you're doing something differently, then it feels it feels like uh, like an attack or something, and you don't want it to be like that. You want to be able to share what God's doing without like you know wagging a finger, um, and also to have be able to support it with scripture and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm really curious as you've been doing this. You know, you've mentioned some of the tangible changes in your lifestyle as well as you know, the, many of the people that you talked to in the documentary, you also mentioned some of the blessings that have come through that. 
Are there specific characteristics of God or facets of Him, Himself, that you feel um, you have seen better as you have made these changes to how you're interacting with Him in the Bible? Absolutely. One of the main ones for me is that God has purpose and that nothing He has done or will ever do is random. And I remember like reading all these random laws in the old Testament and just being like, what on earth, like mold regulations and like scabs and scabies and like, what is all this weird stuff? And, and learning about it as like, these are ceremonial laws. And then there are moral laws that dictate how we act morally. And then the ceremonial laws are just kind of random archaic things that we don't need to worry about anymore. And as I actually began to read and heard God say over and over in scripture, like, these things are for your good and these things are for life. The like dividing line of what is sin and what is not is does this thing lead to life or does this thing lead to death? And the Bible says there's only one definition of sin, which like Luke is first John three, four. Yeah. Passionate about there's in the whole Bible. It's like, we all talk about repentance and stuff like that. Repenting from what, you know, no one defines like what actually is a sin. And in 1 John 3, 4, it says sin is the transgression of the law. God's law is divided up into things that lead to life and things that lead to death. Some of them are obvious, like murder obviously leads to death, but some of them are less obvious. Like, I mean, I think that when you begin to look at why he wants you to eat certain foods and not, I think, you know, a through line of the animals he says aren't for food are uh, scavengers and filter feeders and like clean the earth and stuff. And if it's not as healthy, slowly it would eke you towards death. I mean, just like a, you know, French fry would or whatever, <laughs> more, so, more so than to life and regulations about like blood or when you build a house, you got to put a balcony on the second story so that no one falls to their death. Like there's construction rules in here. Like God's given all kinds of examples of how to generate life in every aspect of our lives and I was thinking for a lot of my life that these rules were random. He's very purposeful. And if I, I think having like a structure that, that the Torah can give you helps you answer a lot of questions that you may not just be able to easily answer. And I guess, or you may say, well, why, why, why should I do this? Or why should I do that? And I think having like more of the one and zero binary, uh, um, this is why we do it, this is black and white thing is attractive for men. I mean, I'm sure it's attractive for women too, but I think it's something that men have been missing because we have maybe not, uh, you know, played it up as much as as we could. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that's that's something I felt like has benefited my life just so I can say, Oh, well, should I do this? Well, the Bible says this, and I, I'm now trying to adhere to that Torah part of the Bible too. So no, I won't, I won't do that. Yeah. That it's provided, um, more clarity on day-to-day life and eliminated some of the, um, the nuances that might have just been extra, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of confusing things that are a drain on your, your time or your energy, or, um, that could cause more anxiety. Yeah. And when you have that strong, like set of instructions, I guess, or values or value structure, whatever you want to call it, then it's also easier to address difficult questions in the modern day life. Like, homosexuality and that sort of thing. Why, why aren't we, 
you know, bigoted if we say that homosexuality is not right. Why would the Bible call it an abomination? If you can bring it back to, does this lead to life or not? Or does this even have the capacity to lead to, quote unquote, human life? Then you can help break down a lot of difficult to Mm -hmm. explain answers to to people. Yeah. Life and death. All It's like God's organizing principle. He loves life so much. It sounds like what you guys are saying is that one of the best ways to learn those principles that God has, the, the things that he loves, is for us to practice them in our daily lives, right? That sounds like a very basic statement. But what you're saying is that we actually have very clear ways to practice them. And for a long time, the church has kind of been missing a lot of those things. Yeah. Part of the thesis of the movie is like, because every believer I know would say, yeah, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to live closer. You know, I want to be like him and be close to him. And we have this weird paradox in our Christianity where we say Jesus is the only perfect person because he adhered to all these laws and because he followed God in these ways that lead to life. But like, don't do those things. And I had to really wrap my mind around like, well, why not? Like, how could anything that I do be an improvement upon how he ate the day in which he worshiped, like the, the way he treated people? And I know that there are a lot of like theological layers as to like what about the law and why, you know, I know there are lots of like deep arguments for and against and stuff. And we've have been having these conversations for a long time. But, <laughs> but one thing I'll just say on that front is that as a person who's a part of the new covenant, I'd never really read like Jeremiah 33 very closely, um, or I guess maybe with eyes open, but it says that this is the new covenant God's going to make with the house of Israel and Judah, like in those days, like meaning in the time of the new covenant, I will put my law in their hearts and in their minds. And I will basically move them to obey the things that I've said are for their good. And like, that is what he says the new covenant like even is. And I thought the new covenant was like, you don't have to worry about that stuff. So that was like a really, that was like sort of a mind trip for me. Yeah. That instead of it being the new covenant is I've taken care of all that stuff. You don't have to worry about it. The new covenant is I'm actually going to make it possible for you to love that. Yeah. And furthermore, it's like when you start to see the benefits of individual things, I think, okay, you've taken care of it, but what if I still want to do it? Like I see that this is a good thing. It says stuff like, you know, if you borrow something from someone and it breaks, replace it. Or if you have what somebody needs and they come to get it, don't tell them to come back the next day. Go ahead and help them with it that that day. It's like when you look at the things, a lot of these laws, you think, well, why wouldn't I want to do that? It just seems like a nice thing to do. And of course, there's all like the sacrifices and stuff like that. To <laughs> That's a lot to talk about. But um, just in terms of things that we can implement today. I just started to see the like goodness of them. I also have another question that I wanted to come back to. I was really curious, Katie, you mentioned that you had a dream that really um, sort of pushed you in a different direction than you had kind of been naturally leaning mm-hmm. um, and was really, sounds like that was a really clear um, communication from God for you personally. Yeah. Do you mind telling us about that? If this was when like Luke and I had just gotten married and we're talking about all these changes that we're discussing now. And I just was like, not fully on board. Cause I was like, you know, I had all these different theological reasons why I thought we shouldn't be doing these, these things that, you know, Jesus did. And I dreamed one night that 
I was like in the house where I grew up and I was in a circle of girls, like having a Bible study in the living room. And in the circle, there was also this horrible, beastly, demonic, terrifying creature. And we kind of were all like talking around this thing and like acting as though it were normal (laughs) to just be like there with us in our Bible study. And I don't know, talking about some like things like love and forgiveness or whatever. And I was just totally terrified. Like we need to get this thing out of the house. This is a destructive, disgusting, evil thing. And it it sounds weird, but when I woke up, I immediately knew that I had welcomed things into my life that God or that the word calls sins because I hadn't seen them for that. And I had seen when when you think about sin, I had seen it as just like something minor, like a cold, you know, you recover from it. I didn't see it as God sees it, which is everything that is a sin is eking you towards death. This is a bad thing. This isn't anything that you want to entertain with your like Christian liberty. You don't want to like play with these things and dabble. Like there is an actual reason why I've given instructions and it's for your good and for life. So if you have something in your house that is destructive to you and you can see it how how god sees sin you want to get that out so it's like rather treating sin rather than a cold as cancer yeah it's like when you know that you have cancer you're just like cut it out get it out you know i'm gonna get rid of this thing before it destroys me sort of and that wasn't the approach i guess i was taking before um you just didn't see those things yeah i didn't i didn't define all of the same things as sin as i as i like now do and i now see reasons why, you know, I wouldn't want to include him in my life. Hmm. Yeah. And that's in line, very much in line with you know, one of the scriptures that comes to mind as you're talking is the one that says, you know, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Or if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Just a very serious approach to it. We'll wrap up in a couple of minutes, but I, I would love to hear about a, just a little bit in a different context about how you might be seeing God as you approach your new project of this documentary about homesteading and living off the grid. And as you're doing some of those things, are you seeing God in any ways in that area? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know, we just made the decision in the last couple of weeks to go forward with this documentary. And before we do any big project, because it takes years, it takes like a year or two years of your life. So you don't want to kind of just go in and say, oh, you know, I don't really care about this subject or this isn't very meaningful to me or it's not very meaningful to, um, you know, I guess what God wants to teach us. I, I want everything that we work on to have to be able to at least not do something bad, <laughs> hopefully help people in some way. And so the connection I see with homesteading and like getting closer to the agrarian lifestyle or, or off grid living and kind of disconnecting may I'll just concentrate on homesteading because it's too big of a world out there. I think the good things are just that you're getting to spend time with your family. That's not just relaxing. It's not hanging out. It's not playing. You're, and I know everyone gets to do this with chores, <laughs> whoopee, but you're, you're outdoors with your kids and you're, in the garden, the first place that God put us, and you're raising food mm-hmm. that's something that Adam was doing as well and and you're learning about the Creator through the creation and I think that not only can this open up time for you to talk to your kids about 
God, but it's also healthy. Um, there's all these studies about, you know, the desk jobs that we all have and how they are killing us. And why don't we spend a little more time outdoors, even doing light things like gardening or raising animals, which is not always that light. Um, so that's a few things. I'm still working on all of the, like the tack that we'll take. But I think that what we're going to try to tell the story of people who are homesteading and leaving their lives, just like we did with The Way, they're, le- they're leaving what they knew and they're entering, they're totally changing their lives. And why are they doing it? And what are the benefits they're seeing? And can we quantify those scientifically? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Are they making mistakes? Is this bad? We'll, we'll try and get into all that. And the Bible is so farmery. It's like insane. It's, it's almost assumes that you understand seeds and soil and fruit and pruning and grafting and like all of this stuff that I was really disconnected with probably from a lot of my life, except when I like went to my grandpa's garden or like we went fishing. But it's nice when you begin to fold some of those things into your life with your family a little bit more, how much scripture comes alive and how much God like speaks to you outside. And yeah. I am really excited to see that one whenever it's completed. I will say, so just a reminder for our listeners, the documentaries that Katie and Luke have worked on already are called The Way, and then they have another one that's specifically about Christmas that is called The Christmas Question, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I will put links to both of those up on our website for anybody who hears this and is interested to watch those. That draws us to the end of our time, but I always like to give an opportunity at the end, if there's any particular aspect about God that you just really have had on your heart that you want to make sure that we mention something, um, any characteristic of God or just something you want to make sure people hear. Yeah. There's one small thing that I hope can be an encouragement to people listening is I realized lately in my own life that when I am trying to figure out like what God is doing, the quickest way for me to like drill into that is just by asking myself, what's hard right now? (laughs) Yeah. And then I, you get to like some sort of character deficit. You get to a hope that you had that was disappointed. You know, you get to something. And I, I asked myself that the other morning and I felt like God really spoke to me. So, um, cause this whole podcast is about seeing how he's moving. And so if maybe if people want to like Think about that for themselves. Just like ask yourself, what is hard? Because that is like whatever God is using to develop you and bring you closer right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a practical, such a really good practical question to ask and a helpful way to to see through some of the other things and get a glimpse of what God might be doing. Thank you so much. I have so appreciated talking to both of you, and I so appreciate you taking the time. And thank you for making these documentaries, really, um, for spending time in a thoughtful way, talking about things that, talking about God, really, and how people are interacting with Him. And then even with this homesteading one, approaching a topic that's not, you know, specifically religious or associated with God necessarily, but approaching it from a perspective of somebody who loves God and wants to see him everywhere. That's uh, a gift to the rest of us. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. You're so, you're so such a nice host. I know. This has been super wonderful. Psalm 107 verse 43 says about stories like this, 
Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on Submit a Story. God is doing things all over in all of His people, and we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at GodSeeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at Seeing God Podcast. You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert, and our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God. <laughs>